everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Us What's in the Box. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the fucking box? What's in the box? In the oh, box. goodness. Oh, man. Finally. Finally. So, finally, we're getting around to doing this film. Um, it is, well, first and foremost, the one-year anniversary of our podcast. Our little born out of the pandemic podcast to help maintain our sanity is now a one-year-old time to smash its face in a, in a little cake. Maybe it's going to start walking. I don't know. Maybe it's teething already. You know, scary, scary <laughs> babies. Yeah. I don't know, baby. <laughs> I don't think either of us know babies that well. No. Maybe it's getting teeth. I don't know. Anyway. Scary. Yeah. One year. Yeah. So we decided. What did we decide to do? We decided. We to- decided. I mean, if you listen to last week's last two by weekly, I, I, I don't know. If you listen to our last episode, then you already know what's coming. But if you haven't, yeah. we are going to be doing the film that inspired the namesake for our podcast. And that movie is Seven. Uh, which came out in 1995, directed by David Fincher, starring Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Um, and of course, Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, the infamous, what's in the box? What's in the what's fucking in the box? box? Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Is finally in the box. Is finally in the box this week. It only took us about a year. But that's—I mean—that's about as long. About as long as the stuff. I was going to say to the bed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's how long the uh, sloth victim was was in bed for. Um, <laughs> which oh god, I I like last year actually no more like a year and a half ago because this was pre pre COVID. Um, I was watching this movie with one of my friends and he had never seen seen it before. And when it got to the sloth scene, like I knew what was coming. He had no <laughs> idea. So when the dude just started like coughing and like freaking out, he just like jumped up out of the couch and he's like, holy fucking shit, he's alive. And I just look over and I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so that is what we are doing today. Um, you know, this- when you share people movies it is that thing where like you wait for parts and you quickly look over at them like, like what are they gonna do you know i try <laughs> not to do that to like signal that something's coming so i try to be like through the side of my eye like because i know something's coming and i'm like wait for it wait for <laughs> how are they gonna react <laughs> yeah i'll either do like the side i think or just like sometimes like if i had already like alluded to something previously i'll just like do a big creepy like smile and just kind of turn my head and look <laughs> over and just be like uh-huh <laughs> yeah and then the real- i love this movie yeah this is one of my favorites and i th- i think i put it did I put it on my list? I can't remember if I put it on my list. At I think five. Did you? I don't know. I know it wasn't on my list. See, we already we're already forgetting our top twenty five list. Yeah, our our list that we made. <laughs> um, I can't remember if I put it on my list or not. Um, but yeah, but anyway, I love this movie. So if it wasn't on my top twenty five, it's it's definitely up there. This movie's yeah. pretty pretty great. Um, Excuse I've read once. Okay. That, that, 
oh no, don't die. Don't <laughs> be like the blood got. Just have your I'm not helping by making her. <laughs> oh my god. I had a mute me myself there was drinking some water. I'm like, God damn it. It's starting. <laughs> um I remember reading that David Fincher told uh Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman like it, this movie may not be something you're remembered for, but I think it'll be something you'll be proud of. And I think to this day, Brad Pitt still says he's very, very proud of this movie. And if anyone yeah. ever talks about Brad Pitt can't act, I always point to this movie because mm-hmm. I thought he was very good in this movie. I mean, Morgan Freeman, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, and so they were both pretty great. And so I think David Fincher was probably right. You know, when people think Brad Pitt, they may not think seven immediately, but I think it's one of those movies that, you know, he's probably proud of doing. Um, yeah. You know, and probably was one of the better ones that he's done, admittedly, by by his own admission, one of the better ones that he's done. So I love this movie. I think it's pretty brilliant. Yeah, they've um, uh, both of them have done, they have an amazing, like, body of work. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. Um, so for those of you who might not be familiar with this uh, film, kind of to make a long story short, um, Morgan Friedman and Brad Pitt both play detectives. Uh, I believe they're in some, they're in New York City, I think. Yeah, well, see, the thing was, is they kind of kept it purposely vague. Yeah. Like, they don't really show street signs or license plates or anything like that. But they do mention California, and the movie was filmed in L.A. Okay. Well see, they yeah, made... So I think... You know, there's a couple things that indicate it might be L.A., but... See, um, I thought it was New York because of the scene with Gwyneth Paltrow, who plays uh, Brad Brad Pitt's wife, Tracy, um, and Detective Somerset, um, who's played by Freeman. Um, They're in a diner together having breakfast, and then she makes a reference to, like, oh, you know, this wasn't what it was like up upstate, so I immediately thought, oh, upstate New York, they're in New York. Um, and then their their house is over the subway. So that's why I was like, okay, this is like like New York, but they don't specifically say New York. It's definitely yeah. ambiguous. Um, kind of like in the way yeah. that the-, the It had a very New York-y feel with all yeah. the rain and, and all that stuff. It definitely had a New York-y feel. Yeah, grunge and but. everything. But yeah, so Morgan Fre- Friedman, he, he's getting ready to retire. This is literally like his last case. Yeah. Brad Pitt, um, he's not a rookie, but he requested reassignment specifically to this precinct. Um, and now he's mm-hmm. working with... Morgan Freeman, and he'll be taking over his his position as detective within that police branch. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, understandably, they get sucked into one hell of a uh, mm-hmm. circus of a murder investigation that revolves around yeah. the seven deadly sins. If you grew up in if you grew up Catholic or you still are a Catholic, I'm sure you're very well familiar with the seven deadly sins. <laughs> um, 
And as we both yeah, did, from, if you watched our thing on mm-hmm. the lodge, you definitely know that both of us <laughs> grew up in that life. We grew so. up Catholic. Yeah. So that's <laughs> kind of what this whole movie is based around. But of course, there's a ton of a lot of different kinds of relationships in it to discuss. Oh. I mean, between Pitt and Freed Friedman, uh, between Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Pal- Paltrow. Um, just the whole idea of like your spiritual relationship, not only with like a higher being, but with society, um, good versus evil, you know, like all kinds of stuff. Um, And then of course there's John Doe, which I thought his name was, uh, it it was a very good choice to name the character John Doe. But yeah, so we got all that... And probably a bit more coming up throughout yeah. throughout the hour. Um, Danny, did yeah, so, you have an area where you wanted to start with this? Because there's so much. <laughs> yeah, there there is a lot. Um, you know, and what I think is, you know, yeah. So the basic thing is you have these two detectives, one who's a veteran, one who is new to the precinct, and they they're investigating this serial killer who has stuff based on the seven deadly sins. That's short summary so yeah as 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 joanna was saying so so now that we're all in the same place um where do i want to start um well i i think we need to keep in mind also this takes place over seven days too oh yeah a week like there's a lot of seven uh in here like uh, it's indicated that john doe the killer um it's very meticulous he's been playing this for a long time yeah as we kind of briefly mentioned the beginning over a year so um he's been planning this so he plans it over the course of seven days and um not all the murders are discovered on those days but i don't know um but it does happen within the course of seven days and the package at the end the box (laughs) at the end is delivered at 7 Mm p.m as well so, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, when you start talking about this movie, you really can't get away from, like, the symbolism that he's talking about. So, I mean, we can take each of the, well, well, I think maybe we should start with, because the first thing before any of these murders happen, or they discover it's a serial killer, mm-hmm. you get the initial relationship between Somerset and Mills and how they're yes. set up. So, um, in my opinion, Somerset, is definitely set up he's the veteran he's seen a lot he's pretty pessimistic um you know he has a dim view of human nature and a dim view of life (laughs) and you know from the things that he's seen i imagine and uh mills brad pitt's character so you have somerset played by morgan freeman and mills played by brad pitt and mills is you know obviously the younger detective he has experience, but he still is resitu- relatively positive about everything. Um, he definitely has a, a positive, you know, he wants to be the hero. He wants to do justice to the world, in the world, and, and serve out justice. Um, and, I, I, and I think, you know, at first you think they have an antagonistic relationship, but I would argue that they, that they, that it's not that, really. I mean, it can be, but it, I don't think... Mills may see it that way, but I don't think Somerset feels it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mills, you know, thinks that Somerset is just giving him a hard time and whatnot and, and doesn't think he's competent and stuff. And 
I don't know. My opinion in that case is that Somerset just wants Mills to understand like how it is. Like he's trying to teach him. He's not trying to be a jerk. I think he really is just trying to show him what it's like in this district, like, and the attitude that's getting given him, gotten him this far, Um, which whether good or not, I don't know, but I don't think it comes from a bad place. Like is pessimism really the best attitude to have when you deal with homicides every day and stuff like that? I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but it's obvious that Somerset feels that way. And I think that's what he's trying to impart to Mills right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So while Mill sees it as antagonistic, I think Somerset just sees it as like he's teaching him. Yeah, I think yeah, Mills definitely comes from this place where he wants to be the big shot detective and work on the craziest cases because uh, there's a brief conversation between the two where Somerset asks him, you know, like why, why, why did you come here, you know, and the precinct where they work at the impression that Somerset gives is like, this isn't a place where people request to go. It's either, you know, you're born here and you grow up and you decide to go into the forest and then this is where you end up or um, you are, uh, you are transferred (laughs) from, yeah, you are transferred from elsewhere and you have no say in it, but apparently Mills specifically requested to come down to this precinct um it's never clearly spelled out why but because he is still like kind of a green detective um and this is the first case he's ever worked on and Somerset like says you know I don't think he can handle this and I don't want this to be my last case so he should be reassigned and you should re re reassign me um but it's he has all of that experience 30 he 34 years on the force um don't know how long he spent as a homicide detective but yeah the dude has seen some shit I I wouldn't I I would agree and say that he is pessimistic about some things but in terms of um like how much humanity he still has left like he has a much better um or he he understands the world better he's more empathetic than a lot of the other people um in the very first scene you see him working a crime crime scene and then there's another um detective there and i guess the i guess what what happened was the mother shot the father uh but there were kids you know like there there were kids in the family and somerset find finds that out when he looks at all the the kid drawings on the fridge and his first question is did the kids see see anything and the other d D- detectives like why the fuck doesn't matter you know we don't we we're not con- concerned with with that you know they're probably going to forget it anyways you know but it's like that that gives you a little glimpse into who Somerset is as a person and why he is so good at the job that he does um cuz yeah. you know like yeah i ideally you should be like emotionally detached from your case but you know that may like there's I I think there's a such thing as being like too detached um you know you have Mm -hmm. to 
take the victims and, you know, or the, I, I guess not, I, I guess the victims and like people who are related to the victims into account, especially if it's a child. Um, and then an, I think another thing to keep, to keep in mind too, like when this movie was released, this was in 1995, the way we think about like mental health, especially around children and everything, it's a lot different today than, than it was back then. Mm-hmm. So that is one scene that kind of establishes that Somerset his line of thinking is light years beyond his his peers, you know, because he is able mm-hmm. to empathize. And that probably comes from, you know, him working for 34 years in the same force, growing up, maybe not growing up, but like living in that area for a very long time. So to make a long story short, like that is why like Mills just doesn't fucking get it. You know, because he's kind of yeah, yeah. He says yeah, and he says he. I mean, Mills worked homicide. He said for six years, I think, somewhere else. Yeah. So he was a homicide detective, but Somerset says, "Well, not here." Like you know, indicating yeah. that it's completely different. Yeah. Here than where he might have you know worked before. Yeah. So yeah, I th- yeah. So I think they both see their relation. I think Mills definitely feels like it's kind of antagonistic a little bit you know Somerset doesn't like him Somerset this that and the mm-hmm. other thing you know just giving him a hard time but <clears throat> you know like I said I think Somerset is just trying to impart you know what what wisdom he has at least yeah you know try to show him some stuff before he leaves and everything you know um Absolutely. yeah I mean I think you're right and and honestly you know since we're with them through so much of the movie if that relationship wasn't kind of complex, if it wasn't, you know, a, a, an interesting thing to watch, a lot of the rest of it would have fallen apart. Yeah. You know, because honestly talking, I mean, when you talk about the, the, the movie, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, the murders are, are way out there and stuff like that and whatever, but I honestly don't think that's what the movie's about really oh no it's about their different views of what's going on Mm -hmm. like using the murders to demonstrate the point of view of mills and somerset Mm. and really make a commentary on human nature in a variety of ways through somerset and mills and then later on through john doe yeah Um, it's really not about you know it's not like saw where it's like all about the the tracks (laughs) you know and all this stuff I mean, even though these are very like creative and they're very impactful murders because everybody kind of tends to remember them because they were so, you know, methodical and metaphorical and, and, Mm. you know, creative for lack of a better word. So people remember them, but when it comes down to it, that's not what I think the movie is about. It's really about that relationship between Somerset and Mills. I mean, even the relationship with Tracy is kind of secondary Mill's wife mm-hmm. um, is kind of secondary. It's really about them and their points of view on human nature. Um, yeah. Really, it, you know, and the murders and the serial murders and all this stuff is really just a vehicle for them to make commentary on how they see things yeah. and how they go through life. And then later on, John Doe offers his, you know, commentary on it. But I yeah. actually think that. To begin with, you know, we're talking about, I think that's actually supposed to be the main, 
the main focus of the movie when you get down to it. So without that, mm-hmm. I don't think there there is a lot. You know, it's real, it's more gimmicky than anything else. And I don't think that's why this movie is still appreciated this many years later. It, it's because it it you know does discuss this stuff. So yeah, indeed, yeah. a lot of it. Yeah, and I, I know. I, I mean, would you agree with that or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I wouldn't necessarily say like one of my problems with this movie um, because it's not a problem. I would even say like much of what we're talking about is also open to interpretation as well because there are some things that they like kind of like directly spell out, especially through the murders but then there's other things that aren't as clearly um spelled spelled out um uh specifically the relationships between mills and somerset and tracy um somerset you know he's somebody who's trying to get away from it all mills is somebody who wants to be right in the middle of it both of them are not ready to leave or they're they're Mm -hmm. they're like somerset like he wants to leave but it's not the right time for him to leave because mills doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and basically like mills took this job forcing his wife to come with him you know they you know she doesn't know anybody here aside from somerset so they all need each other in this triangular type of way um Mm -hmm. if it wasn't you know for somerset what would have tracy have done you know um if it wasn't you know, for um, Mills, who is incapable of properly investigating these serial murders, would Somerset have even stayed? You know, so there's that whole um, connection to it. And Somerset is kind of caught in the middle between Mills and Tracy's marriage, um, especially towards, towards the end. And Mills just doesn't, I guess we can like go a little bit more into like Mills and Tracy and like their their uh, marriage, but it seems like Tracy has just just without question just will follow her her husband. I mean, she gave up like her teaching job, which I'm which I assume that she loved, um, and mm-hmm. she's trying to find a new yeah. job and everything and she's kind of like aghast at the conditions of the uh, schools in in town and she's coming up with all with all these reasons why it's like hard for her to adjust but the thing is like she just misses like her life and she she doesn't operate on the same wavelength as mills does so now they're at odds yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to posit a big theory. Yeah. I'm going I'm to posit a big theory Sweet. and we will see if it pans out over the next course of the hour. <laughs> My big theory is, is that every relationship in this movie is meant to ask a question mm-hmm. and each character kind of represents two sides of that question. Um, so with Somerset and Mills, as we just talked about, the question is, you know, are you more pessimistic or are you more 
uh, are you more pessimistic and kind of logical like Somerset or are you more kind of emotional and more optimistic and kind of want to be heroic like Mills like Mm -hmm. that's kind of the question there like which which philosophy of life you know is the right one quote unquote that's what we're meant to kind of ask ourselves with Somerset and Mills with Mills and Tracy I think what we have there is the question of priority Mm. you know is your job is is your is your professional uh, life important enough to move away or do you choose your family and stay in the place where you think your family might be safer and bring up a family et cetera et cetera like the decision between career and you know a home life you know mm-hmm. what I mean like between career ambition and making compromises for the sake of yeah. your family. I think those are the, that's the question that Tracy and, and Mills ask us. Yeah. Tracy, obviously on the side of, you know, choose your family, choose, you know, a, a stable, you know, comfortable way of life. Whereas Mills, obviously, you know, choose your career, choose yeah. your ambition, you know, choose what you want to do and stuff like that. Yeah. That's my theory with that, with those. And I can, I can ask, I can let the other questions go as we get into the different murders. Yeah. I I think the other questions that I think it poses. Absolutely. I think that's a really sound theory. Um, like really, really sound. And it also made, made me think of like, um, and this kind of ties into the seven dead, deadly sins or in Catholicism, it's like the seven venereal sins. Um, and then, like, cause those are like the ultimate like sins ever that you could ever commit. Um, but then there are a bunch of like smaller sins. Um, I don't technically, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the term for it. Um, but if I remember correctly, one of like the lesser sins is self selfishness. So what we have, like, especially between Mills and Somerset, and we see this reflected in the serial murders too, where this, there's this duality, there's the, these choices, either this or this, you know, and Mills kind of represents the self, the selfishness side and Somerset is the selfless side. Um, And I think it's, you know, if you're going to be more like Mills, maybe you don't realize you're operating from a place of being selfish. Um, you know, especially if you think your partners, if they fully support you in your career and everything else. Uh, Cause even though that might be the case, like I don't think Mills ever took a beat to ask like, how is this going to affect my wife? you know, and clearly it's not, not really doing all that great. So Somerset is the other side of the coin that Mills needs to get him just to like, think first and act later, or just to sit down and shut the fuck up and stop talking and take, just listen and look and take in his surroundings. And we see that play out in the very first scene where they go over to the guy's house, who is the, um, the glut gluttony murder or the glut gluttony. Nice transition. Monday morning, Monday, Monday morning, morning. Murder, the first 
Woohoo! Monday, that's their first victim in gluttony. And what questions does Somerset ask when they go in? Well, um, first of all, the gluttony yeah. one is they walk in to find this guy hunched over food and his stomach mm-hmm. has basically burst because he's been forced to eat. Uh, yeah and it also needs to be said too this is a man who prior to this was already like morbidly obese so he he was already a very very large man um which sets up the whole thing of john doe making him a a target as the glutton victim yeah um but during yeah during this scene um mills is just like walking around being a chatty kathy and spouting off like all of these weird theories and then somerset is just quietly like observing the body and the surroundings and everything and then at one point he's just like hey mills can you stop talking thank you i'm trying i'm trying to concentrate right and it's in that moment it's like Mill slowly starts to get better about doing that as each case goes on because Somerset is trying to lead oh. by example. And, but that first case, that's why Somerset is like, no, no, no. Mills can't do this by himself. I don't want this to be my last case, but this case is too important for some rookie detective to go off and try to do on his own. So Somerset is like, kind of sacrificing like an easy last case before retirement not just to be there from for mills but to be there for his wife as well because their shit's all fucked up so yeah yeah i mean it's true i mean that first victim the glenny victim when they go in it definitely shows even more it kind of contrasts you know, we, we kind of get their personalities a little bit in the beginning, but when the first murder happens, they discover it and they're called in. It really gives us how they both work yeah. in the beginning, you know, with Somerset being methodical, you know, taking out his pen and looking at stuff and, and you know, Mills just walking around and running his mouth and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I think the question, um, back to my theory, the question the gluttony victim asks us is, I think we've all had, you know, moments where we felt gluttonous in various ways now you know a lot of people mistakenly think and you know we were t- i was taught this in catholic school is that gluttony does not necessarily mean eating yeah i mean it can and john doe took it very literally um in this case as as eaten and gluttony um but it's not yeah. it, it, it it's consuming of you know it, it's it consuming excessive amounts mm-hmm. of, of anything um, it, it's excessiveness overindulgence yeah overindulgence and stuff which is different than greed which we'll get yeah. into but it, it's overindulgence of anything um you know and so i think the question that 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 you know the the gluttony victim asks of us you know the two side you know really it's like is that something you know it actually all sorts of questions about you know it brings up all sorts of things about and and between mills and and somerset and other people you know the other cops who are talking about it you know what what how much control do you have over those sorts of things you know everybody would like us to believe that you know we all and this is a big thing with catholicism you know everything's your fault no matter what you know it is it 
is it a sin, right? You know, I mean, this guy didn't do anything other than, you know, be big, you know? I mean, the others, you can argue they may have done things in the past, you know, certainly some of the other ones have. But, you know, as far as we know, you know, this guy hadn't done anything unless, although I think John Doe said that, you know, he just went after people who had records and stuff. But in any case, it's sort of actually the question of, you know, what is gluttony? How much is too much? And, you know, is that something that's worth punishing in any kind of way? Is that going to fix anything? You know, so each each of the, the victims causes you to ask questions about their supposed sin right and you know sometimes it'll be smills sometimes it'll be some of the other cops who will posit different points of view whereas somerset kind of just has this you know none of these people really deserved this and somerset is correct in my opinion none of these people deserve you know what happened to them i mean even even when you get to the you know the slot you know it's like it's like this this mire of morality that you're getting into right but when you're talking about the two sides of the coin, Somerset is also saying, you know, these, none of these people deserve this. You know, none of these people deserve to have this done to them. Even yeah. when you get to the sloth victim who was like a pedophile. But there were others and Mills are saying, well, you know, maybe there's situations. And so it's not coming to any conclusions. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was saying. They pose us these questions but don't give us answers. They give us different answers yeah. and are asking us to think about this guy was big and he may have done other stuff. You know, w- what constitutes too much? You know, what other situations may have led to him being that big? You know, I mean, especially with something like like being, being bigger size, you know, people always think that it's just this easily controllable thing. Like it's just a matter of willpower. And it's not often that, you know, so yeah. I think the question gluttony is asking us is, you know, how much is too much? And, you know, does that constitute, you know, a punishment, you know, and, and, you know, it, it's two, two ways of looking at somebody who you might be booze gluttonous, whether you see them as a person or see them not as a person, because they do something you think they can, that they can control. Yeah. Is they're gluttonous because they want too much, you know? Anyway. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many like in instances, you know, like you can call it like stress eating or emotional eating or something like, like that. But there, there are some people who for whatever reason are unable to get like proper psychiatric care or, you know, stuff, stuff in that realm. So there's many things that people can do to like self-medicate and one of those yeah. ways is food and is right. overeating you or know? even anything else I feel like if you're gluttonous on anything it's a symptom of something it's yeah. not the problem itself it's all it's usually a symptom of something else yeah and you're, and you're using it to try to fill some void yeah you know it's like everything. you're not you know and that's kind of like the and once we you know once we go through like the rest of the seven dead deadly sins I mean I I don't know about like your experience growing up Catholic but I know mine like there was none of this nuance that was discussed 
like, you know, this person is behaving this way that is causing harm to themselves or others, but why are they doing this? And I would think, you know, more, more often than not, like there's an underlying like psych psychological condition that needs to be treated, you know, before, you know, that the, you know, before the symptoms right. that are manifesting. Whether it be trauma, yeah, yeah, whether it be trauma or something else, yeah. you know, um, there's lots of things that can lead to behaviors, yeah. you know, trauma, you know, uh, a condition of some kind, you know, any, there's lots of things. And, you know, until you get at those things, you know, it's not the behavior you need to worry about. It's, it's, you know, what's the cause of it, yeah. you know? So I think that the gluttony victim is kind of, you know, asking us that, you know, like, like, you know, is kind of asking you to ponder the question of, you know, you're not your sin, really. Yeah. You know, gluttony, you're not, you're not your weight. You're not, yeah. you know, your, your obsession or anything like that. You're more than that. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you get those kind of different points of views with how, how the victims are humanized or not humanized. Yeah. You know, um, you know, gluttony is, you know, gluttony and sloth and, and the others are gluttony and sloth are the two that really didn't get a choice. Um, you know, those things are seen as, as, you know, they weren't really given a choice in their punishment. The others were in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were given some kind of choice as to what they were going to do. But those two weren't. Um, so, so I think those two specifically um, really speak to that question of, you know, what are choices? You know, are sin sins or are they, they just symptoms of something greater? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, because... You know, Catholicism would have you believe, you know, just stop doing the sin. That's the problem, you know, and it really isn't. The problem still exists. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's still there. Like, like, you know, you're mistaking the outcry. You're mistaking the behavior for the actual problem. Yeah. You know, you know, and I mean, we've all gone, like, if we, what's, what's interesting in terms of like, Glut gluttony being portrayed as like overeating in this film. If we think about what we do as Catholics every Christmas, we all get together, we have this giant feast, we overeat, we eat too much turkey or ham, and then you know, ingest like 5,000 calories in one meal. And then we basically like can't move because we ate too much and then we fall asleep, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it, it's this weird, uh, what's, what's the word for it? Not, not duality, but like a juxt juxtaposition or it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. glut gluttony is one of the seven dead deadly sins, but yay, let's celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ and stuff our face with like 10 different types, types of food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Catholic, Catholic hypocrisy. Yeah. And often, you know, things. you know, and it's like, it's really, not gluttony when I do it. It's gluttony when you do it. Mm -hmm. right? You know, it's yeah. one of those things. Yeah. You know. And then, uh, yeah. So I think that's, that's the, you know, that's kind of the, 
the question that the gluttony um, victim is kind of talking about and the greed victim, you know, it's sort of like, you know, they had a choice of where to cut off and stuff. So they chose, uh, you know, the greed victim was left, you know, they had to cut a pound of flesh. Uh, yeah. Oh, and on this scale, just to backtrack real quick, the, the greed victim is a lawyer, but more like a criminal defense lawyer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so lawyer greed, lawyers make lots of money, you know, and some people yeah. look at criminal defense lawyers in an unfavorable light. So that's, that's where that's right. going. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think the question the greed victim is asking us is, you know, why do you, why do we do what we do? Right. Yeah. I think that's what you have to ask, you know, cause the greed victim actually, I mean, they got slightly less of a choice, I think. Um, because, um, you know, they could choose where they were going to cut or whatever, but, um, but they also, so I think the first three were really, they were kind of forced into situations, but I think the question the greed, uh, victim asks us is, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, a defense attorney or someone Mm -hmm. who's in a job that, you know, should be in it for, you know, defending people, or if you're a doctor, be in it for helping people, you know, or anything else, you know, um, anybody that makes a lot of money, you know, you have some kind of business, or, you know, you're an actor, you know, you're, obvi- you're, you're, you're doing it for hopefully, you know, good reasons, you know, you're doing it to entertain, or you're doing it to mm-hmm. produce a product that people need, or you're doing it to provide a service or something like that. So, you know, I think greed talks you to, to the question of, you know, why do you do what you do? Yeah. And are you doing it for good reasons? Or are you, you know, doing it just for matter? money? Yeah. Right. And, and does that matter if your result is bad? Like, if you, even if you're doing it for good reasons and, you know, the system is so messed up that, you know, it, it hurts people, you know, is that good enough? You know, you have to sit there and think about it, you know, like, yeah, you know, all the money he was making and stuff like that, you know? And so I think, you know, and then of course we just mentioned sloth a bit, um, you know, uh, John Doe says, you know, he was a pedophile and a drug dealer and all this stuff. So again, you know, I think it's one of, of choice, you know, of, of choices, mm-hmm. you know, why do you do these things, you know, and if you do do these things, and I think more with the sloth victim than the others, you ask yourself the question, do they deserve it? Yeah. You know, cause the others, you know, the guy who, who was big or the, the lawyer, you know, pride lust, you know, and, and the others, you know, when we get to the end, it's sort of like, you know, um, you know, you can make very good arguments. And I think most people would agree they didn't deserve what happened to them. Yeah. Well, with the sloth victim, I'm considering he's a pedophile and a drug dealer. That's really asking you some morally gray questions there. Yeah. That Mills and Somerset. Well, no, it's actually Somerset and the cop that's with them when they discover it. Mm-hmm. Cops like, who gives a shit? You know, yeah. this, he's he's whatever and somerset still does what he you know and like i said it's not offering you an answer no like it's not giving you a moral answer it's just asking you the question yeah, it's, it's forcing you to sit there and ask the question well did he deserve that or not yeah i mean it's like had let's say um john doe killed him like a year ago and then 
buried his body somewhere or like, you know, just killed him and tied him to the bed. You know, that's like, all right, well, dude was a pedophile. I'd be, you know, I think a lot of people would just be like, well, he scarred kids for life. So good. He's not around anymore. But then the fact that John Doe kept him like that for an entire year, tortured him like that every single day for an entire year that sort of next level, like methodical, diabolical, like line of torture. thinking, yeah. torture, that, I don't know, like to me, that kind of, it's on the same level as like pedophiles, but it's also like a different it's also a a different level at the same time so there's like yeah this guy over here sloth was a horrible person but then also this guy who's trying to teach sloth the lesson is also a horrible person because in the way that he's doing it like is it is it is he justified because he's a pedophile like yeah yeah it's it's still something that i even like grapple with because the method of torture is so fucked up like yeah yeah we we watch so many slashers but like this this is fucked up like right and i think if you go back and and you know you look you know you kind of get in the scenes where they're kind of looking at the victims the kind of two different points of view you know, like, you know, gluttony, you had Mills walking around, like, who eats this stuff? You know, being judgmental, really, I think is is also gluttony too, you know, yeah. and with the greed, you know, like, look at all this art this guy has, look at all the stuff he has, you know, Mills looking at all the, the painting that he had, you know, they didn't even realize it was upside down, you know, mm-hmm. this stuff, this guy doesn't have, you know, making judgments on, on, on people. And like I said, the slot, you know, you always have somebody there, either the cops, Somerset or Mills, like passing some kind of judgments, making comments. And like I said, they're posing questions on what do you yeah. think, you know, and, and stuff, you know, and, and I think with the sloth victim, that's kind of even more, you know, morally gray um, there, you know, and then with the pride victim, you know, like that, <laughs> you have a yeah. choice, you're scarred. You know, moving on to the lust, the pride victim, you know, you get scarred or, you know, you call for help and be scarred for life. And she was like a model and stuff like that. So, you know, most people I think would bash the choice, right? Mm -hmm. Bash the choices, you know, like, why wouldn't you call for help? You know, who gives a crap? if your face is all marred up, you know? So, so you pass judgment, Mm -hmm. that asks the question. I think a lot of people would care though, like- you know, somebody cuts, cuts off their nose, like regardless if, you know, you make money off, off of your looks or not, you are still, you know, if you live, you're still dealing with the aftermath of that, you know? So I totally empathize with that victim and I don't, you know, blame her for taking, you know, for making the choice that she did. I think, you know, John, John Doe, what he did was, incredibly fucked up as a means to try to teach her a lesson because that's what he's doing with all of these people right he's trying to teach them a lesson he's trying to play god (laughs) 
Well, I don't think he's trying to teach them a lesson. Mm -hmm. He's trying to use them as examples to teach other people lessons, really, because he intends on killing them, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he kind of knew she was probably going to do what she did or whatever. But but I have a question about John Doe that I'll get okay, to yeah. at the end. But, but, you know, I really think he was using it more as examples, I think, so that people would look at them. That was his great work, is that people would look at them and be like, oh, that's what gluttony gets you or that's what mm-hmm. you know greed gets you or whatever you know so yeah you know teaching them a lesson and teaching others you know teaching them a lesson maybe if they had you know she had called or whatever teaching her a mm-hmm. lesson but even then she's an example to other people yeah. in his mind in john doe's mind you know all people will see her and they'll understand what it is to be prideful or whatever yeah you know and all that you know so yeah he's he's trying to teach i mean the ones he knew he knew were gonna die yeah you know were die i mean then what are they gonna learn they're dead yeah you know i mean they're not gonna but you know more as examples mm-hmm. you know and it gets even more when you get into the last two victims of how that's it was intended but yeah um, which i have I, interesting things to say about that too because i think the movie right. flipped them because yeah. oh okay well, yeah let's, get, let's talk about the envy yeah. victim and or the um the less victim i'm sorry the less victim and then we can get to the last two we can get to the last scene yeah the less victim that's fucked that up was the most messed up to me that was so that, fucked was, up. that one was the most yeah yeah i mean this guy is you know scarred for life yeah you know i mean oh man you know how can you imagine you know yeah and i mean i I couldn't i couldn't yeah i think the lust one in particular very um like is 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 very telling about john doe's like lack of empathy for a lot a lot of people so i mean basically Oh god, I I I don't even want to like say it because it's like super yikes, but essentially um the guy or John John Doe forced um a male customer at a strip club to murder a stripper in a very specific way. Um, that, you know, involved Mm -hmm. sex and a specific sex toy, but, uh, it murdered her. Like he caused, yeah, he caused somebody to. It had a blade and. And and, yeah, just use your imagination from, from there. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, okay, he's taking this whole idea of, you know, strip clubs, exotic dancers as just being this grotesque place of just unchecked lust and blah 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 and it's like you know okay maybe some women like that's not the job what they want but at a desperation maybe that's the job that they have to take for whatever reason but then there are some women who enjoy doing that stuff you know so it's like okay who who are we to judge but john doe is judging he's being like the morality police right so Mm -hmm. but i find it interesting that 
he allowed the guy to live, but not the woman who is an actual employee at at that club. It felt very much like a double standard. Like the woman was more of a Jezebel, you know, than than the guy was. I mean, the guy is going to be screwed up for life, but but he's alive, you know. So like, which so. John Doe is like saying like, okay, yeah, you visited this place, but that's less of a sin than like working here. And it's just this like grotesque yeah. double standard way, way of thinking. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I, yeah. And I think that's the question, you know, that, that the lust victim asks of us, like mm-hmm. we, you know, who do you feel worse for and why and who deserved it more why you know it's asking you questions and people making their judgments even John Doe determining that the woman deserved to die and the guy didn't and the others you know and how they talk about the victim and how they talk about the guy and everything and and so I really think it is that double standard that sexuality it's asking us questions about you know Mm -hmm what is you know what what do you consent to and and you know and what makes it okay and what makes it not okay and who gets to blame if something goes wrong and you know and all this other stuff so you're sitting there asking those questions like he didn't do anything you know i mean like i said the sloth victim was kind of the worst ones and the others you can argue you know they weren't doing anything you know i mean she was offering a service he paid for the service yeah by all accounts, it was, you know, she was working there and everything, even if she didn't want to work there, it was still, she was consenting to work there for whatever reason she had, even yeah. if it was just to get money or whatever. Yeah. Know? I mean, the sloth um, guy, he was the only one that actually committed anything illegal, right? I don't even think the lawyer, the uh, greed, so. greed victim did. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's all very ambiguous. You know, I mean, John Doe obviously thinks they all did stuff, but yeah. I can't remember. Maybe somebody who's listening can let us yeah. know if the others, I can't remember. I'm trying to think back if they mentioned if the others had records or whatever, but yeah. I don't think so. And I mean, I, I just rewatched this movie like this, this morning too. And even to me, there's a lot of like that gray area, you know, they like kind of allude to stuff and they don't out outright say anything and I think that's in keeping with like how we're supposed to you know come away with our own own opinions right right because I think I think the most important relationship in terms of relationships a movie we're talking about you know Mills and and Somerset and their opposing views as they're looking at all these victims and stuff but I think the bigger part of it is the point is the audience you don't get anything out of it unless you are willing to engage with the questions that it's asking yeah. because it doesn't give you a setup. It doesn't give you answers. It doesn't give you like, this was the right thing to do. This was the wrong thing to do, you know, yeah. really or wrong way to think, you know, I mean, obviously the murders were wrong and stuff like that. But what I mean is it's not, there's a lot of gray in this and a lot of moralizing and a lot of judgments and, but it's presented in a way that the audience has to engage with it in a way, you know, we're characters here. And if you don't engage with those questions, you're not going to get a lot out of the movie. The most important relationship is the one you have really with the movie to engage those questions. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think when you're watching this movie and you're considering everything, you have to understand that going into it. 
that part of it requires your participation and looking at those questions and knowing that no one's going to say, this is right, this is wrong, this is it. And you're not going to get that from the way the movie plays out, right? No, you're not you... going to get that from the way the movie plays out. You have to be willing to sit there and talk about it with whoever you mm-hmm. watched it with or your co-host on the podcast. I know, right? Yes. Yeah. Former Catholics. Yeah. Woo. So and, get- and yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, like, specifically for Catholics, but I mean, also anybody else who was born and raised in any kind of religion, you know, everything has their, every religion has its moral teaching, its moral compass and it, and it, and it can, can vary, but a lot of it, especially like the Christian based religions are very, very similar. Um, but it's also asking people to like, really dive deep into their own views of morality and at the same time like you are questioning your I mean yourself and your relationship with either your religion or society or what whatever else and that could be really scary like for for me that's the ultimate like that's the scariest part about this movie is because if you haven't necessarily tackled any of these topics or thought about them for any length of time, like in real depth, doing this from this movie for the first time could be quite like a terrifying experience and can cause you to like question yourself. Like, oh my God, I actually think that like, but why, you know, like it's, yeah it's a fun psychological game yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. And, and you really have to be willing to do that when you engage with this movie because yeah. like i said it, it's it's all up in the air it asks the questions it has the characters give their viewpoints mm-hmm. but the movie itself doesn't come down one way or the other yeah. you know it, it it's not one of those where, you know, it, it, there's a message in there somewhere, yeah. you know, it just asks these questions, but let's talk about the envy and wrath. Yeah. Um, you know, you all should have seen this, um, you know, and you find out after they, you know, John Doe gives himself up and everything. And you find out that, um, you know, they're out there. He says, he's going to take them to the last two bodies Packaged guy comes up and, what's in the box please tell me what's in the yeah. box and yeah you find out that john doe had gone over to mills's house and killed his pregnant wife beheaded her and had the box uh, sent to them at this location um because he is envy he says mm-hmm. he was envious of mills and and tried to play the husband but it didn't work out which to me kind of implies he raped her i think but yeah you know. And that's just my thought he, but he could um, be bullshitting too like you just right and then yeah and then just to get just to get mills because what he wants is he is envy he wants mills to kill him and become wrath you know get angry become wrath kill him and that will end his his great work as he puts mm-hmm. it which goes back to my earlier statement that nobody was intended to learn a lesson from it that was involved the whole process was set up as as everybody else is supposed to take lessons from this yeah. because you know john doe never intended to survive it you know so what would that do if he wasn't around to give people lessons to you know it was supposed to be this great lesson yeah you know all wrapped up and everything like that and um 
Yeah, you know, so so you said that you think they're switched. Yeah. Um, before I get in, in into that though, I do want to ask a question. We never actually see Tracy's head in the box. Do we think that's actually her oh. head in there? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it was, but maybe it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, Somerset seemed to think it was at the very yeah. least. I mean, by his reactions, he seemed to think it was. I mean, the guy. So, the guy could have made something look very convincing. I mean, I just thinking about it from a cinematic point of view and bringing into everything that that we've talked about. Um we're never actually shown whose head is in the box. We're led to believe it's Tracy's head, but is it though? Really is, are, are we, are we sure that it's not the film trying to play like a, a trick on us? Because mm. then if it's not Tracy's head in the box, that wouldn't have justified Mills killing John Doe. But and this is where I'm getting into like, I think John Doe was actually wrath and um, Mills was actually envy because John Doe is the one that went on this killing spree. He has so much anger in him for all of these people who are committing all of these sins, right? You know, and he's essentially passing judgment on them, you know, like, like God, right? But if we look at kind of Mills's personality throughout the whole film, like he wants to be that big shot detective in the rough and tumble city, Mm. you know, that is something Mm. that he wants. And early on when he feels like Somerset is still treating him like a rookie, he gets really, really upset you know, so that's why I think Mills is actually envy because he wants to uh-huh. be something. He wants to be that officer, that that detective, yeah. that some somebody else is. You know, right? I mean, I, I'm just wondering what the what the yeah. I mean, I'm kind of pond. I mean, I can see where yeah you, that that it's works. just my my like, my theory. Mills being yeah. envy and and Doe being. I'm just trying to think of if you know if it isn't her head in there, how that would work. Like, what would he be trying to accomplish by it? Not right, and that's definitely the one hole in my theory. Because if it isn't her head in the box, that's just basically right. John Doe tricking Mills to finally give into his wrath. Well, he also tricked Somerset, obviously. Yes. Somerset was the one who looked in the box, and he obviously believed yeah. it was Tracy's mm-hmm. head. I mean, so he would have, he would have had to fool Somerset, not Mills, because Mills never looked in the box. Well, I assume, at least we don't see him look in the box. I don't think does don't he? Think. Yes, he does. He does. Oh, does he? Okay. Does he open it with his like his gun and look? I think. I, I, but either way, he would have to fool both of them. Yeah. Um, into thinking it was hers for his ruse to work. I just can't think the purpose of it. And he obviously had no problem with disgusting deaths. So yeah. I fully think he probably did go over there and kill yeah. her. Yeah, I mean, but um, that's just my thought. On yeah, it. And I think they just didn't show us because makeup and movie like practical concerns. But but I mean, and and your imagination is is worse than you know if they had made up a, a beheaded 
you know, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, but that's just but I mean, if 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 we think about all the crazy scenes that they had shown us, especially sloth, all the grotesque imagery that we've had throughout the entire film, and they're not gonna show Tracy's head, why would they hide that? That would be the least like fucked up thing that has happened throughout the entire movie. I mean, maybe that's why. Yeah. Maybe it's the absence is supposed to contrast, right? I mean, maybe that would be yeah. why um, they made that decision. I mean, you'd have to ask David Fincher, I guess. I know, why like, they, why, why, why didn't you show the head? I, I mean, I think maybe it's one of those things where they showed us the death, showed us the death, showed us the death. So to contrast and make this one stand out, they don't show that. It's very, that's, that, could, that could be it, too. I'm just spitballing. Yeah you know, based on what you're just saying yeah. this to me. Plus, but, I mean, it it, you know. it also kind of makes sense too for her to be dead because the whole movie, it's Mills kind of ig- ignoring Tracy and we know like, oh God, he's always like put himself first and, and the career first and Tracy is just kind of gone along with it and she's very, very broken by it. But then we get that one, that final scene with Mills and Tracy and he like, crawls into the bed with her and he like cuddles her and he's just like I love you and she's like I know you know so that setup for that end scene makes it like more emotionally impactful so maybe that's also a reason why we didn't need to see the head yeah right right yeah I mean all sorts um um so yeah okay so i just had a, i had a few other things we've gone through all the deaths and kind of talked about you know so i think the question at the end of this one the envy and wrath mm-hmm. one um i think the one that nils contrasts us the question is there of, of shooting or not shooting yeah. right do you become wrath or do you let yeah. you know somerset's begging him not to that's just what he wants doe is begging him to do it you that's our moral question yeah. right you know, that's our moral question we're asked as Mills, Mm -hmm. you know, audience is asked to put ourselves in Mills place. Do you listen to Somerset who's going, don't do it. It's what he wants, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, we're going to arrest him, et cetera. You know, he's going to get, you know, all this stuff or, or do you do it? Yeah. You know, that's the moral question, you know, and it doesn't end. I mean, it doesn't give us an answer. I mean, we know what Mills chose. But that doesn't mean, but they don't say like that's the right decision or the wrong decision or or whatever. It's just like that's, that's what, what happens. I mean, he and then John yeah. Doe and everything, but but that's the question that that's asking us, you know. I think with wrath and the other question, um, you know, in tying some of the other ones I have, um, you know, we we talked about I'm looking down my <laughs> questions here, like why did Mills move? We talked yeah. about that um you know he wants to be the hero he wanted to have the difficult precinct and stuff um um you know and we talked about tracy and the baby uh kind of conflicted in that you know she represents the choosing family Mm -hmm. you know over profession kind of thing so the last few questions i have as we're wrapping up is uh john doe talking about john doe yeah that's what i want to talk about um john doe's question i think as envy is okay personally here's Mm -hmm. the thing the question that John Doe gets asked and is in the car on their way there, where they start asking him, talking to him about why he did it. Somerset has one set of questions and one way of questioning. Yeah. Mills is antagonistic. They're both 
talking to Don Doe in very different ways and John Doe gives his answers. So it's asking us, you know, do you treat some, you know, in terms of how they're treating him, Somerset is treating his stuff as kind of treating him like legit, like taking as what he says is truth, you know, like going with the idea of, okay, John, this is what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I understand. Tell us about it, you know, et cetera. That's Somerset, yeah. you know, saying, I see you had to punish them, John, you know, I understand, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Mills is like, fuck you. It's bullshit. Yeah. You're just another jerk off. You're going to be a t-shirt. <laughs> you know, you're just doing this to get off, blah, 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 blah. And so the question there is, what do you believe? Yeah. Do you believe that, that John really believes in what he's doing? Like Somerset kind of is treating him like, or do you believe Mills in that he's just doing it? I believe Somerset. And here's, and here's why, because you, you don't go and murder all these people in a very specific way and have thousands of composition notebooks filled with your manifesto, like, which cost the movie $15,000 to have made and they are real and had people spend two months making I was, notebooks. Oh By my way, God. That, a bit of I was wondering that. I'm, I'm like, did they get people to legitimately hand write? Yep, all- they did. And then they used them. They used them in the opening and ending credits. Jesus. As well. Oh my God. But yeah, it cost him $15,000 and two people, yeah. two months. But yeah, you don't That's write all you you don't spend that much time writing all of that stuff if you don't believe in what you're doing so yeah i don't know (laughs) i mean yeah i mean i see that but like i still tend to fall on the mill side and that maybe on a superficial level he believes Mm -hmm. that but like we can justify a lot of things to ourselves Mm -hmm. right you know, and even John admits, you know, I enjoy my work. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. right? But it's like, are you really do? You know, are you fooling yourself on the percentage? You know, like how much you enjoy it versus your mission. Yeah. You know, do we really? You know, I don't know. I don't know. See, and that's the question that's asking us, and it doesn't give us an answer. Mm-hmm. We don't find out. We can't know, but it's forcing us to ask that question. You know, do we believe that he really thoroughly believed what he was doing? Um, You know, and he had this mission and this is what, or do we think, you know, he just was kind of trying to justify what he wanted to Mm -hmm. do, you know, which was be sadistic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some masochists sometimes, um, and I find this goes hand in hand more so with like stories of serial killers especially you know the more infamous ones throughout history you know one one of the things and for solving a crime is okay you need a motive right and in some crimes the motive is very cut and dry you know like okay dude stole money from a convenience store because he wanted to buy drugs or whatever, he need to pay off his dealer. Okay, fine. You know, that's very cause and effect done, like close, close, close the book, mystery solved. For something like this, 
And if you also look at like John Wayne Gacy and uh, Richard Ramirez and all those really famous people in infamous people, infamous killers, why did they do it? You know, and it all comes down to a psychological reason. And then once you have that answer, it's like, well, still, what causes them to do it? Why does somebody get pleasure out of doing something like this? And it's still something that we're still learning about today. So I think Mm -hmm. that definitely, like, the, the crimes in this movie are they fall under the exact same umbrella. Like, what is the motive? Mm-hmm. You know, the guy can tell you like, oh yeah, this is why why I did it. Because, you know, these, you know, I needed to make an example out, out of these people, blah, blah, blah. It's like, but really? Like, is is that the motive or is it some something deeper? Yeah. Right. And, and his conversation with Somerset and Mills kind of throws that into question. Yeah. With Somerset treating him as, you know, legitimate and believing what he says when he says why and Mills not. So they're kind of supposed to be the dual sides of that. You know, why do people do these things? They both have different, you know, philosophies of, you know, he just did it to get off. That's it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Or no, he really truly believed he had, you know, some kind of purpose, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's it's the big question. Um, you know, and then I think that's the one that D- John Doe asks us to ask, you know, what, what do you, do you, how do you feel, you know, what do you think about the psychology of people who does do these yeah. things? Uh, you know, is it just justification for their, you know, what they want to do their their you know, get off on it? Or is it, you know, they really truly believe that that's what they were there yeah. for and stuff. Um, you know, and of course you pick the seven deadly sins. That was the other thing, you know, which is a very, you know, and I wrote down in the, in the notes, you know, the seven cardinal virtues, mm-hmm. you know, and this is part of my argument as to why I think it's sort of BS. Yeah. Right. You know, like, you know, you, you, cause people forget that not only do you have the seven deadly sins, people focus on the seven deadly sins. Cause they're, you know, they're cool, man. Like they're cool. They're cool. <laughs> But you forget that there are also seven cardinal yeah. virtues, you know, so he could have easily, so he chooses to punish the people who sin when, you know, okay, you have that option, but you know, if you're as studied as John Doe seems mm-hmm. to be, you would know about the virtues. So why not, you know, do things for people who are, you know, think, you know, are examples of these virtues. Yeah. You know, they got to be out there somewhere. Why not spread their messages? Mm -hmm. You know, um, you have a chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, humility, which are, you know, you know, why not do things or why not be an example of those? Why did you choose to be an example of, you know, and it comes back to that pessimistic or, Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, or optimistic, you know, do you believe that people can be good and they need to show in the way or they just, they need to, as John Doe puts it, uh, you know, you can't tap someone on the shoulder and get them to behave. You have to hit them with a sledgehammer sometimes. And so that was his philosophy yeah. that, you know, he wasn't going to get anywhere, you know, just <laughs> telling people or, or whatever. So, you know, he had to, he had to do a big deal and stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, it also, you know, looking at the seven deadly sins, it also begs, you know, he could have gone another way, you know, if he wanted to, to, 
you know, foster something yeah. in the world. He could have chosen something else to foster. But, you know, yeah. when you grow up Catholic with the amount of guilt that is instilled in you, the only thing you can focus yeah. on is, am I doing something bad? Am I committing a sin? Yeah, it's a Catholic yeah. mindset right there. And it's like the the virtues like that's supposed to be like your default but if you're doing that like you don't get any praise because you're supposed to be do doing that anyways but if you're committing any of like the sins oh you better go to confession buddy you know you better say your 10 hell marys and five five our fathers or what whatever there's so much focus being put on these like alleged sins but for me, like the, like, where does that line get drawn? You know, where does indulgence become glut, gluttony? You know, where does relaxation become sloth? You know, where does that, and you know, like that line is so incredibly personal. And, you know, that's why like, do not, don't judge other people lest ye be judged. Or how, however the right, exactly, yeah, how, right. however the same. First goes. one to not sin, throw the first it, stone. Let he who has not sinned throw the first stone. Exactly. And yeah, for sure. And the very, very last of these last questions I have is, what do we think happens after with Somerset and Mills? I was kind of curious. Like Mills obviously gets arrested because he shoots John Doe, and Somerset, you know, watches him and he tells the chief, "Oh, I'll be around." Yeah, you know. Um, I'm kind of curious what do you think happens I mean I think you know to, to them after I mean I don't think Mills will be no. charged I mean I obviously had to arrest him and go through it but you know I mean there's lots of, I don't think it would end with him going to jail uh, no in jail no I don't I don't think either the district attorney would drop the charges because they have a choice of what they can Mm-hmm. charge so you know they could choose like look he was under duress you know i'm never going to get a conviction out of it i'm not going to yeah. do it you know and even if it did go to trial you know the the defense would argue you know hey you know look at you know and all this other stuff you know so i think it would be you know i don't think he would end up doing jail time personally that's my personal yeah i totally agree um and I- there would be too much, even if you got the media, especially if you got the media involved, there would be way too much sympathy for Mills for yeah. them to have like an unbiased jury and, you know. Yeah, like stuff. dude saw his yeah. wife's head in a box that the killer, you know. Yeah, he, his pregnant he, wife. Yeah, you know, which he didn't know. Oh, know, God. Like, yeah, you know, so I, and but the, I guess the question then is, what would he do after that? Would he move? Would he continue to be a cop? Would he do something else, I guess? I, I think know. he would probably take a sabbatical um, and he wouldn't stay in the city. He would move elsewhere, either mm-hmm. back to where he came from or um, somewhere else. But he is not staying there. Yeah. He is not staying with that precinct um yeah there's nothing left for him there what a way to like start off your brand new job so he's he's not he's he's gone it happened over over a week yeah he was literally there like a week yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah and Somerset I think 
you know, as much as he wanted to go, personally, I got the impression through the vagaries that happened with, you know, him mentioning, oh, I'll be around. And then the last quote where he says, you know, that there's good in the world and it's worth fighting for. Um, I believe the second part is what he says, you know. And I think that that's what he'll continue to do. I think he might change his mind about retiring, Mm -hmm. I think, or at least be around and consult and, and still work. Um, even though he said he didn't want to, he wanted to get out of it. He was like, I got to get out of here. I can't do this anymore. Um, I think he changed his mind. I think at the end, he's kind of indicating that, you know, he, he, he was kind of reassured, reaffirmed of the fact that it's worth fighting for and that he might continue to do so in the end. That's just my agreed on it. Great movie. Yeah. Fabulous movie. I love this movie so much. It's such a good movie. Kevin Spacey, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, even Gwyneth Paltrow. As much as you know, she was okay. <laughs> I'll give her that. She yeah. was all right. She was all right. She was okay. She, I mean, she's still, you know, goop lady. And still in vagina. goop lady. I mean, this was before she was goop lady. This was yeah, she's 95, but now she's goop lady. And I'm sorry, hawking yeah. her whatever cures and claiming that it, you know, helps, yeah. helps with COVID. And I'm like, oh my God. But it's still a good yeah. movie, and you can, and we can get past that because it's still a, a really yeah. well done movie. Well done, and I hope that they all are proud of doing it. I hope David Fincher was right in telling Brad Pitt yeah. that that you know you may not be remembered for it, but you'll be proud of it. And I certainly hope that's the case. Yeah. So that's one of those because we loved it. We 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 liked it so much. We we named our yeah pod, you know inspired the, our podcast inspired by it right because we want to know what's in the box i mean, we I mean really the box is a metaphor for life mm-hmm. yeah yeah what's in it what's in it what's, there? what's yeah. in your box you know and we yeah. don't <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, I think that's all. I mean, that's yeah. seven. I mean, we went on a little bit, but we had a lot to say. This was good. And uh, next time we are doing Heavy Rain, the 2010 game by Quantic More about yeah. serial killers. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Serial killers. We're just all about serial killers up in here. All about serial killers up in here. Yeah, we had, you know, I'm almost daring, like, you know, we did that, um, the the game about... Um, Massachusetts? The real life one. But no, no, no. The, um, the, the game that we did that was like the indie game that was based off the... Uh, Massachusetts? Massachusetts, whatever. Yeah, the... The one about the serial the killer. Albert Fish one, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm almost wondering if, you know, we should pick a movie about a real-life serial killer at some point and we can get all up into that. Dang. I don't know. That's my I mean, there's that... Those are rough on us. I know. There's (laughs) that Zodiac one with Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) Gyllenhaal, yeah. I like him. But yeah, we were going to do... another serial killer thing next time i didn't realize we had serial killers so close back to back but there it is heavy rain the 2010 game by quantic dream um so uh be sure to follow us the box underscore podcast on twitter at the box underscore podcast 
a Twitter and um, let us know what you thought. Do you like Seven? Have you seen Seven? I might be old enough that there are some people who have not seen it. I mean, my nephew wasn't even born then. So I was 15 when it came out. I so. was, you know what? I, yeah, I'm no, not going to yeah. tell you how young I was <laughs> when it came out. Yeah, I know. You probably don't remember. Oh, no. I, I, the, I didn't see Seven for the first time until I was in college. So this was like mid-2000s. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. No, I remember when it came out. Yeah. I remember when it came out. My parents forbid me from seeing it <laughs> at 15. So <laughs> I too saw it in college for the first time, but I remember yeah. when it came out because it did get a lot of buzz. Um, so, but yeah, next time we're going to do Heavy Rain, the 2010 game by Quantic Dream uh, at the box underscore podcast. Uh, listen to it. Let us know what you thought. If you'd seen it, like I said, where were you? How old were you? Um, if Go ahead and watch it if you haven't. Um, it's a good movie. Um, and let us know what you think. Uh, do you agree with my theory? Do you agree with Joanna? Do you agree with both of us? Do you disagree um, with both of us? Um, it, <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. I'm yeah. down for that. Um, and you can uh, listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. So we yeah. all over so the net. Thank you for. We're all over. We we're all <laughs> over it, and we're gonna get a cooties on more stuff pretty mm-hmm. soon. Because we're gonna we're gonna get up on that new app slasher as Woo-hoo, well. Yes, but, we'll have next episode. Yeah. We'll let you know where you can find us on the slasher social the slasher. media app. Um, but yeah. where can they find you on slasher, Danny? I am Grim Reaper D uh, on wait, slasher. Wait, wait. No, um, I am at Penny Death on slasher so (laughs) that is that is me um but yeah until next time folks